Hello, I am Joshua P. Warren, and this is Joshua P. Warren Daily. Well, you know, here it is, halfway through the month of November, and I've been promising you that uh, I would talk a little bit more about the Brown Mountain Lights uh, this November, because November is usually uh, the peak time to see them out of the entire year. And uh, because of that, I get lots of calls and lots of interest every late October, early November, from people who um, want advice on how to see them or media that want to cover them. As a matter of fact, as we speak, uh, there is a television news crew out of Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Brown Mountain Overlook tonight. Um, They invited me to be there and to be a part of their segment, but uh, unfortunately tonight I just could not make the trip up there to Brown Mountain. So uh, it's going to be cool, though, to see what they come up with. So let me tell you a bit uh, in general about the Brown Mountain Lights and some of my thoughts as well regarding how they might compare to other types of spook lights. And then uh, I'm going to give you some information on how you can uh, how you can read up on this for free if you find this intriguing. Um, Brown Mountain is a long, low-lying ridge that sits on the border of Burke and Caldwell counties in the Pisgah National Forest of western North Carolina. And uh, the mountain is, oh, I'm going to say around two to 3,000 feet uh, in elevation. I don't remember exactly. And, um, it, you know, it's a very unassuming-looking ridge. Uh, during the daytime, but at night, of course, is when all that changes. And that's because for over 100 years, based upon journalistic accounts, but perhaps for hundreds of years, if you believe some of the pioneer and Native American tales, people have been seeing these strange multicolored balls of light floating on and around this ridge at night. Now, I'll just say right up front that after years of studying this phenomenon, I think it's safe to say that they could be more accurately called the Linville lights because this phenomenon is seen throughout the entire area around Brown Mountain, known as the Linville area, right next to the Linville Gorge. I think a lot of people have talked about them as Brown Mountain lights because that was one of the best areas uh, you could see from a certain vantage point, a certain clearing. Uh, back in the day as you were traveling through those rugged mountains. And so it would make sense that people would, they'd have a a better view there, and so that would lead to them having more sightings around the mountain. Now, these balls of light, sometimes when they appear on the side of the the ridge, which, by the way, being in the National Forest, I mean, you have nothing but some trails there, uh, the occasional campsite. It's not like you have anything commercial there. Um, when you see these lights, sometimes they just last a few seconds, and they'll just kind of flare up, and then they will uh, brighten, you know, for just uh, five, five to ten seconds, and then they'll just sort of pulsate a little bit and then wink out. Uh, sometimes you'll see one light that will divide into several smaller lights that sort of appear to orbit around each other. Sometimes you'll see them moving left to right on a rock face, and sort of what we have called troop formation. And in other cases, you have these lights that appear 
and just float straight up into the air and just disappear into the sky. It's like a big ball of light. What you might think of as something like ball lightning. And so some of the earliest tales related the phenomenon to ghost stories. There was one early story about uh, a Native American battle that took place there. And then afterward, maidens went out with torches trying to locate the bodies of their loved ones. And so this created the ghostly imprint. And there is a story about uh, a man who owned a plantation who went out hunting and never returned. And so his faithful slave took an old lantern and went out hunting for him. And the slave also never returned. And so the slave spirit is still searching the mountains. And that story was turned into a very popular bluegrass song in the 1950s called The Legend of the Brown Mountain Light. Tommy Fail performed that. Uh, I had a hell of a voice. Um, so a lot of people have talked about them in terms of ghost stories. There's a story about uh, Jim and Belinda, a couple who got into some type of fight, and uh, Jim killed Belinda and one of their kids, and a light led the, the local sheriff to the grave. All kinds of ghostly stuff. And then we have people who say, well, uh, you know, this is a UFO hotspot. You have people who say they've been abducted, like one man named Ralph Lale, who said he was abducted many, many times up there by aliens. And it, In fact, there was a crystal cave, and if you walked into this crystal cave, it was sort of like a, a, a landing base for these beings uh, who were fortunately rather friendly. Um and what you find is that, okay, if people are, are into ghosts, they talk about the lights being ghosts. If they're into aliens and UFOs, they talk about it being the mothership landing base. If you talk to some scientist who's into chemistry, he'll talk about swamp gas. You mention this to a physicist, he might talk about plasmas uh, and ball lightning. Or you talk to an astronomer, well, he'll talk about optical illusions. Uh, you talk to a geologist, he talks about piezoelectricity. So it's really interesting that what you really have is this big, vast, blank slate upon which so many people have projected their own ideas. And you can therefore look at it from any point of view, any perspective of interest, and you can say, hey, well, let's toss this out there. So you can imagine with all these considerations, uh, it was important for my team and myself, the Lemur team, to spend over 15 years getting permits from the Forest Service, going up to Brown Mountain, camping out, studying everything we could, bringing various experts with us, including a scientist from the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, who he was a physicist. Uh, we brought a rocket engineer from Ohio State, a professional geologist who works with the United Nations. I mean, all kinds of different people camped with us, supervised their work, uh, gave their own feedback. And eventually, um, we came to the conclusion that we think most of these lights are indeed a very special form of natural phenomenon that is similar to ball lightning. It's created by some extraordinary characteristics of the mountain. Now, we came to that conclusion just using a scientific method of observing and uh, documenting things and getting in the lab and condensing some of what we found into controlled lab experiments 
and uh, reproducing something in the lab that behaved a lot like a brown mountain light. And uh, then from there, uh, you know, reapplying what we'd learned to future observations. And I want to tell you that if indeed we are correct, and this is just some type of a natural phenomenon, that in no way negates the possibility of other much more strange and paranormal things happening there. Because it would make sense if you have a place on planet Earth like Brown Mountain that just naturally seems to produce an enhanced, focused amount of energy, that it would also, as a byproduct, create um, all kinds of things. You would have more ghostly activity. You would have uh, people experiencing um, mental changes as they are encountering the, the electromagnetic influences. You would have maybe UFOs taking an interest in this uh, natural stop-off stop or they can charge their batteries, so to speak. Um, and that lights would just be one very visible aspect of a place that is naturally producing so much energy. So... We're looking at what we can empirically and, and physically put into uh, a mason jar, so to speak, in the lab. But what we're seeing here is just something that represents a, a much deeper uh, series of things, <laughs> a phantasmagoria, I guess. Um, so people say, how do I see these? I want to see them for myself. Well, if you go to brownmountainlights.com, that is all spelled out. Go to brownmountainlights.com. That is one of the websites that I own. It's, uh, it looks pretty old-fashioned because I haven't done any kind of cosmetic updates in a while. But the content there is still quite good. And what you will find is a lot of free information for you about the lights. And, in fact, I wrote a PDF, or I wrote a booklet that is included as a free PDF there that you can download um, about the, the Brown Mountain Lights. And um, that is probably the most concise way to get uh, the, the, the legends, the theories, the research, all that stuff laid out for you. So I hope that you'll take advantage of that. But in a nutshell... Um, there's never a guarantee that you're going to see the Brown Mountain Lights. Um, even myself, you know, going up there for 20-some years looking, I've only seen them a handful of times. And there are times when you might see things that will mislead you. Uh, for example, I think some of our early footage was probably ATV lights. But at that time, we weren't sure what we were looking at. Later, we were able to find all kinds of electromagnetic interference that would uh, extend for miles and miles around when one of these lights would appear. And that's something you're not going to get from any type of a conventional light. But here are four conditions that we found seem to give you the highest chance of seeing the lights. Number one, time of year. We've already talked some about that. November seems to be the peak time. In fact, the first time we captured what we consider good footage of the Brown Mountain Lights was in November of 2000. I was up there with uh, Brian Irish, who was operating his uh, night vision camera, and, uh, and we got some pretty remarkable stuff. 
So autumn is good, but especially November. I think that has to do with the fact that there's such a dramatic difference in temperature between day and night, and that causes maybe the mountain to flex in a certain way. Uh, Number two, it is either raining or a rain has recently occurred. That has to do with some of uh, my thoughts on this being some kind of a large-scale natural capacitor that a charge builds up on this capacitor over time, and then it discharges occasionally. And that when rain is flowing through the mountain, that's one of the things that's building up a charge. Number three, if there happens to be extra smoke in the air, so that could be from more people camping out, or it could be if there's a forest fire, that smoke is actually carbon in the air, which would fuel any type of bright, visible plasma-type reaction. And the number four is if the KT index reads five or above. Now, let me explain to you what that means. If you go to brownmountainlights.com and you click the link uh, saying, you know, when to look, uh, you'll see a little measurement there of what's called the KP index. Now, this is a measurement of just how disturbed the Earth's magnetosphere is. Because it seems like when the Earth's magnetic field is, is, is wobbling around, that is causing pulses of current at certain places on Earth to become more prominent. And so... If you have a a reading of a five or above, then that means that it's really disturbed. And so like right now, I'm looking at the KP index and it's it's, in green, it says normal quiet. If you go there and you look at it and it's red, it'll say storm or something like that. And that's when you know it's a good time to go look for the lights. So again, number one is autumn. Number two, it's either raining or a rain has recently occurred. Number three, there's extra carbon, that is smoke in the air. And number four, the KP index reads five or above. Those are all things that seem to enhance your likelihood of having an experience. So I hope that you'll keep that in mind. Now, Brown Mountain is not the only place where lights like this seem to occur. Um, The closest thing to Brown Mountain that I'm aware of happens in Hestelen, Norway, and uh, they call them the Hestelen Lights. And Hestelen is a valley as opposed to a mountain. But you have the same kinds of things occurring there. You have these big, bright blobs of plasma shooting around that sometimes tend to, to behave as if they're intelligent, that, you know, they're interactive. There's a whole UFO culture that has developed around it as well. Um it seems to be very much like the same kind of thing. Now, on the other hand, I have also been to Marfa, Texas, where they have the Marfa lights. And the Marfa lights, I think, are something different. Um, The Marfa lights are lights that you'll just see sort of glimmering way out across the, the prairie or the desert at night. And generally, as you you go out and you try to get closer to them, they disappear. So they almost do seem like they might be more of an optical-type illusion. Um, I've seen some pretty good television programming done on the Marfa lights that indicates that uh, 
You know, there is something objective happening there as well. It's not just an optical illusion, but and we're still not sure what it is. But uh, but I think that most of what people see is some kind of an optical effect because of some other kind of weird lensing that might be happening there. So I don't know that it's necessarily like this plasma type thing that we're getting at Brown Mountain and Hestelum. So those are just some considerations. People usually call these things spook lights or earth lights. And, and there are all these great stories, you know, um, about using them to judge certain things on the land. For example, you have this one interpretation of these balls of light known as the will of the wisp. And the old pioneer story is, and that, it really goes back, I think, to ancient Europe. If you see the will of the wisp at night, bobbing through the trees. It may lead you to treasure if you follow it, but it will much more likely lead you to your doom. It will lead you off a cliff or into a bog where you will drown, etc. And the interesting thing about that is, you know, back in the old days when a treasure was literally a big stash of metal, uh, that really would create some type of an electrostatic charge under the right conditions that could make that part of the ground glow, that could really make it light up as a patch. So if you saw a patch of light off in the trees and you start walking, you might not be able to tell at night if this thing is moving or not. Maybe if the wind's blowing. So you start walking through these dark, treacherous lands to find it. And, and, and of course, a lot of people who, who would bury a treasure, they would do it in a dangerous area um, to, to protect that treasure. And so, yeah, you go there with the intention of being led. And you might be much more likely, however, to end up paying with your life for that little adventure. Um, there are all kinds of stories about how to interpret these weird lights and the interplay. Um, sometimes they lead lost people back to civilization. Um, it's, you know, it's a fascinating concept. So, again, if this is of interest to you, uh, even if you're not near Brown Mountain, North Carolina, uh, there may be some spook light location that is close to you. And so uh, if you're going to go and visit such a place, you'll, you'll probably do well to at least read my free PDF there at brownmountainlights.com. Uh, I'll also tell you that, uh, well, tomorrow the first batch of items at unusualauctions.com is going to end. So uh, I hope that you will take advantage of some of the cool stuff that I have there. We've even listed more cool stuff. Like, for example, I uh, have a lucky lotto number picker. It's like a little fortune teller guy who talks and gives you um, the lotto numbers. We have a, uh, a pyramid power pyramid inside of a pyramid. We have a vintage Yi Ching kit. Uh, we, 
<laughs> I have all kinds of cool stuff, some gaffs. And so, so go to unusualauctions.com. Get yourself a really cool Christmas gift uh, for somebody you love. And everyone is going to come with a card that I personally sign vouching for this being from my collection. And so um, being auctions, you know, they're going to run out and then they're never going to come back again. So go there while you still have less than 24 hours to unusualauctions.com and check out the stuff that's coming to an end in only hours. All right, my friends, uh, thank you as usual for your interest and your support. Uh, let me know if you have any interesting encounters yourself with ghost lights or spook lights. That's always fascinating to me. Thank you for staying curious, and I will talk to you again soon. <laughs>